Hello all, and welcome in. We're so glad you've joined us for another edition of the Book Nerd Diaries. Life can be rough sometimes, so please pull up a chair here in the library and relax for a while as we dive deep into the latest books we've crossed off our endless to-read list. Please be warned that spoilers lie ahead, and some content might not be suitable for everyone, so listener discretion is advised. We've provided content warnings regarding today's book and discussion in the show notes, so please go check them out before moving ahead with the episode. Ready? Then let's get our book nerd on. There is an episode of the rebooted Doctor Who that we adore very much, called The God Complex. In this episode, our intrepid Time Lord, the Doctor, played in this iteration by the brilliant Matt Smith, finds himself stuck in what appears to be a 1980s hotel. Before long, it is discovered that the hotel is actually a labyrinth, hosting a monster that feeds on the faith of unsuspecting victims. As the Doctor and his two stalwart companions, Amy and Rory, try to find their way out, the monster slowly starts to pick off victims one by one. First, the monster draws them into one of the hotel's many rooms, then shows them a horrifying vision of what they fear the most, as their life force is slowly drained away from them. Right before each victim dies, they utter only two small words, Praise Him. This particular episode has always stood out to me for many reasons, but none more so than how brilliantly it portrays the subject of faith. For each of the monster's victims, their faith that was drained from them came from a very different place. For some of these people, their faith comes from a solid belief in their religion. For others, their faith is derived from science or luck. But none of these types of faith is shown as being any less or more significant than any other. Whatever form our faith takes, we all need something to believe in, to help us understand this ever-chaotic world we find ourselves in. In the brilliant novel that we'll be talking about today, Wicked Saints by Emily A. Duncan, we follow the story of someone for whom faith is the very cornerstone of their life. What happens then? when that cornerstone slowly starts to crumble. As our book opens, we meet a girl named Nadja as she peels potatoes in the kitchen of the monastery she lives in. She is talking happily with her closest friend, Kostya, when they are interrupted by a low rumbling sound approaching the monastery. Nadja realizes that this noise could only mean that the enemy Trinavian army is drawing near, and could quite possibly be looking for her. Wanting to help protect her home, Nadja rushes up to join the coming fray, closely followed by Kostya. Using her special prayer beads, she summons the power of two different gods, with which she cuts down a number of the invaders. Being able to commune with multiple deities this way is a very rare gift indeed, and so Nadja is forced to run, lest she be captured. As Nadja's friend Anna leads her to safety, the last thing she sees in her retreat is Kostya falling as he puts himself between the Trinavian army and her. What Nadja doesn't know is that at the very same time, she is now being tracked via magic by the Trinavian army's leader, Prince Seraphin. Having cast his spell, Seraphin then questions the monastery's head priest.
priest about her whereabouts, but gets absolutely no answer. Discouraged, he decides to seek out the monastery's wine cellar instead. After a long while of fleeing, Najo wakes in a tent after hearing the voices of gods bickering in her head. She and Anna's solitude is soon broken when the Trinavian army sets on them once again. As they try to escape, the two are saved by Nadja's magic and the appearances of two helpful strangers, Rashid and Parijahan. Once the group is clear of the threat, Nadja explains her current predicament to her saviors. After hearing her story, Rashid and Parijahan allow her to lay low and to group with them in a nearby abandoned chapel. Elsewhere, Prince Seraphin wakes with a pounding headache, then goes on to question Kostya, whom he had captured in the fray the previous day. Kostya refuses to tell him anything, and so he forces the truth out of him by threatening the life of a child. Kostya volunteers Nadia and Anna's names out of desperation, but is tragically unable to save the boy regardless. Kostya is absolutely distraught, but Seraphin feels absolutely nothing for the cruelty he has just committed, and walks away. While this is happening, Nadja can discover, then sever, the prince's tracking spell. In the ruined chapel, she and her new companions discuss the merits of the Trinavian army's blood magic, versus that of Nadja's own divine magic. After revealing her troubled past with Trinavia, Parijahan then asks Nadja if she would like to join forces in taking down the Trinavian king. We then go back to Seraphin, who has just received a message from his father, the very king that Nadja and her allies are now plotting against. The king informs Seraphin that he must leave the front line behind and immediately return home to participate in the tradition of choosing a wife. Seraphin finds that tradition incredibly outdated and does not wish to participate, yet he ultimately decides to go, to keep an eye on his father. It is here that we find our two different characters at a crossroads in their lives. First, there is Nadja, who has had everything she'd ever cared about taken away from her. She wishes to get revenge on the cruel Trinavian king, who had brought so much devastation to herself and her people, the Kalyasi. In Rashid, Parijahan, and their companion Mal, Nadja has found people who have taken up the same purpose as her, and are more than willing to help her meet her goal. Mal, in particular, used to be part of a Trinavian cult known as the Vultures, who serve as advisors to the king and are some of the most dangerous practitioners of blood magic on the planet. Mal had defected from the group, who are now hunting him down, which puts an even bigger target on his back. Nadja had been taught all her life that the Trinavians are the enemy and that their method of using blood magic is nothing less than heresy. Nadja, herself a cleric and practitioner of divine magic, finds it hard to reconcile her preconceived notions with the reality of the boy she's now teamed up with. Can she bring herself to put her former beliefs aside and trust someone she once would have considered an enemy? Secondly, there is the blood prince Seraphin, who had been put in a position he does not wish to be in. He is a soldier, not a diplomat, and so he frankly sees the outdated ritual of choosing a wife as no less than tedious. This particular tradition, 
has not been upheld for generations, so he knows that his father is only making him go through with this process to keep him in check. Seraphin does not at all agree with the methods of the king, whom he fears might be coming ever deeper under the control of the wicked vultures. He has come to fear for his own life, and knows that he must act against his father before it's too late, but he must find a way to do it without rousing suspicion. It turns out that Seraphin may find an unwitting ally in a certain cleric, who happens to be working towards the very same end as him. It looks like we need to step away for just a moment, dear book nerds. But don't worry, we'll be right back after this very quick break. Don't go anywhere. Are you an author, fellow podcaster, or small business owner looking to spread the word about your product or service? Then let us help you. We offer a number of affordable monthly advertising packages in various price ranges. So if you'd like to hear your ad here in future episodes, please head on over to our page at ko-fi.com slash bndpod and click on the shop tab to see what works best for you. Again, that's ko-fi.com slash bndpod. Then click on the shop tab. We can't wait to work with you. I first came upon the book Wicked Saints by Emily A. Duncan through very special means. Last year, I was gifted an owl crate by my wonderful sister April for my birthday, amongst which was a copy of a gorgeous-looking novel called Blessed Monsters. I had never heard of this particular title before, but was delighted to discover that it was part of a series. There was really no way I could pass up the chance to explore Emily A. Duncan's literary universe after it had been recommended to me in such a way. I made a point of seeking out the first book of this series, Wicked Saints, in the Overdrive app. After reading it, I knew without a doubt that this starkly compelling world within its pages was one I couldn't wait to visit again. In a lot of the classic fairy tales we grew up loving, there is some core lesson that its audience is supposed to take away. In the story of our cleric protagonist, Nadja, she is someone who grew up in a monastery with a direct line to the gods themselves. Religion is the very core of her being, and to know any other faith besides her own is unheard of. As she grows closer to her new compatriots, namely Mal, her eyes are open to the fact that the world isn't merely shaded in black and white. Many of the Trinavians, whom she had thought as her sworn enemies, are just as much victims as she is, and do they not deserve to be saved as well? If she does help the Trinavians, however, would she be turning her back on the very god she derived her magic from? This question of faith, I believe, is key to what makes wicked saints work. Along her journey, Nadia discovers that there are infinite ways to have faith, and that none of them are inherently good or bad. It all comes down to how that faith is put to use, whether it be based in religion or some other source. The vultures on the other hand, serve as a sort of dark mirror to Nadja. Whereas Nadja uses her faith to protect herself and others, the vultures are heartless and clinical in their cruelty, using their beliefs to cut down anyone who would try to defy them. To be perfectly honest, the vultures are some of the most terrifying villains I've ever read in a book. 
and I've read quite a few in my day, so that's saying something. For anyone who loves the gritty, sprawling scope of Leigh Bardugo's Grishaverse novels, or Tomi Adeyemi's beloved Legacy of Orisha series, then Wicked Saints just might be for you. This book has a sense of ever-building dread running through it, making you terrified of what might happen to our heroes next. There are moments where you might even classify this book as straight-up horror, yet the world itself is so vividly written that there is plenty to inspire wonder in the way only a good fantasy story can. We will reiterate here that some content might not be for everyone, so we highly recommend checking out the content warnings in our show notes before giving it a read for yourself. Wicked Saints is absolutely terrifying, but I promise it's always worth a read. It is here, dearest book nerds, that we reach the end of our discussion for today. Thank you so much for stopping by the library and sharing another incredible read with us. It's always a treat. Before we bid you farewell for now, however, we need to say thank you to some very important folks. Firstly, thank you so much to Julie, our amazing sister Katie, and Anthony for being our dear subscribers over at patreon.com slash bndpod. This is a completely independent operation, and it's only through your incredible generosity that we can keep it running. If you too would like to get perks like early ad-free episodes, two exclusive episodes a month, notes, scripts, our monthly newsletter, and a special role in our Discord server, we hope you'll join them. Our deepest gratitude also goes out to anyone who has subscribed to our show via their favorite app, left us a review on Apple Podcasts, or told the people in their lives about us. These are the best free ways to support the show and help bring more people into the library. In the crowded world of podcasting, word of mouth is crucial, so every bit truly helps. Next week, Friday, October 7th, a new bonus episode is on the way for our wonderful $5 and up subscribers on Patreon. And we'll see you right back here in two weeks for another edition of the Book Nerd Diaries. See you then. The Book Nerd Diaries is written, edited, researched, and hosted by me, Amber Wilchin. Thank you so much to the wonderful Astro Freck from Pixabay for the use of our theme song, The Grand Entrance. All other music and sound effects you heard during this episode are also provided by the amazing folks of Pixabay, so please check out the show notes for full credits. If you'd like to connect with us online, please follow us on Instagram or Twitter at BNDPod, on Facebook at BookNerd Diaries, or via our website at BNDPod.wordpress.com. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes to send my way, please feel free to drop us an email anytime at bndpod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, everyone, please be good to yourselves, because the world needs you. And don't forget to support your local library.